0: Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Magnolia Beef and Seminary has top quality beef products that are raised right here in Mississippi.
1: They also have fantastic gifts for every age. For the best beef in Mississippi and so much more, visit Magnolia Beef and Seminary or find us on Facebook. Howdy, howdy, it's Rhino here, and I wanted to say thank you for listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Good morning,
3: everyone, and welcome to Midday Super Talk Mississippi. I'm your host Gerard Gibbert, along with Rhino. We're in the Element Wealth studios today, repositioned to Mississippi Blood Services. We need blood, folks. We need you to come on out. We'll be guiding you through the middle of your day, of course, with facts, fodder, and fine music. Coming up on the program at 10.20 in the very next segment, Secretary of State Michael Watson, Brittany Mitchell, Donor Resources Specialist with Mississippi Blood Services, joins middays in the final segment of each of the three hours of today's broadcast. At 12.05, Sean Tindall. Commissioner of the Department of Public Safety, and Tony Carlton, Director of Mississippi Law Enforcement Training Academy, will also join us here on Middays. Uh, uh, Pardon me, Rhino. I I just woke up uh, about ten minutes ago, so if I sound a little little sleepy, uh, it's because of the game last night. (laughs) 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 It was a snoozer.
1: Yeah, I watched about the first quarter and I half, well I mean I was working till after kickoff with Dribble Yell last night, but I saw the end of the first quarter and about half of the second quarter and then I flipped over to a Michael Schumacher documentary which on YouTube led to a Leonardo, Leonardo da Vinci documentary so I was all over the place last night not oh, wow. watching football because it really was that boring of a game Golly
3: That's, uh, I haven't checked it, but certainly this has to be the biggest blowout In national championship history, does it not? I mean, such a one-sided margin of
1: victory for any bowl game ever, let alone the national championship. (laughs) My gosh! Oh wow! Well,
3: Jerry and Pontiac says one of Georgia's cheerleaders just scored a touchdown. (laughs) That's about right. It just wasn't uh, wasn't an entertaining affair whatsoever. I wanted something to be close, a little drama. But let's be honest, the the semifinal games were both good, really good. I think TCU had their all-world game in uh, their battle with uh, Ohio State. Would you agree? Oh yeah. oh, yeah. I mean, I think that was pretty much all they had. And you have to give them credit. They got through that. They got to the national championship. That's more than... Every other team in the country except Georgia. Georgia racks up their uh, second consecutive uh, national championship. The SEC certainly shining once again. TCU took home an ass-whipping of biblical proportions, says Darren and Jackson. Yeah, it was indeed. Just, it's just a boring affair. I, I couldn't watch it once they got up about three touchdowns. I said, that's it. All done. Folks, uh, we are at Mississippi Blood Services today, and the reason is because we need blood. And last time we were here, you recall in December, it was not the greatest of weather days, torrential rains pouring around the metro area, and I think that deterred lots of folks from coming on out uh, to Mississippi Blood Services here off of Lakeland Drive on treetops Boulevard in donating the gift of life blood of course and along those lines I would like to ask the audience to keep a dear friend of mine in their thoughts and prayers today who will be undergoing open-heart surgery not far from here at saint Dominic's. been in the hospital a little while anticipating this Uh, a, a good friend got an update from his wife this morning Telling us uh, what the schedule looked like and uh, I'm praying for him and a very positive uh, Good outcome of the surgery today. I Feel like it's all going to go great and he's going to be just fine And it's in the good Lord's hands, so please remember him a, a regular listener by the way of the program and likes to keep me on my toes is he's so good at and send me texts here and there when he hears our commentary uh, but a big fan of the program and we appreciate him he's a great fan friend and a good person and uh, I pray the Lord uh, inspires his surgeons to deliver the positive outcome that we all want so Been praying for him since the post, says Thomas and Greenwood, who also knows this individual as well. So appreciate that, uh, Thomas, and I feel really good about this. And this is a a good, strong, Christian, God-fearing person who cares deeply about this state and our nation. And we're going to get a great outcome out of this and get him back out. And amongst us, and I know he's tired of being in that dang hospital. I think now for a couple of weeks. So, last night in the House of Representatives, two big actions went down. One was, of course, the um, the passage of the rules package, which seemed to be go off without a hitch. I, now, yesterday, I'll admit, I said there there was some concern expressed over the weekend by some Republicans, I say some, two, but often when you see two make statements of concern about the package passing, you feel like, at least I did, that that maybe that's representative of numerous other members as well, but it turns out it went through really on an uneventful basis, no surprise, on partisan lines. It passed 220 to 213. 220 to 213. One Republican, Representative Tony Gonzalez of Texas, voted against it. Now, in fairness, he is one of the reps I saw interviewed over the weekend who said, yeah, I'm worried about this thing passing. Turns out he was the only dissenter. The other rep I saw discuss it was Representative Nancy Mace, and she, she too voiced concerns, but ultimately she voted in support of it so it passed on partisan lines with the exception of one republican no democrats I know this is a shock voted for it voted for it so 220 to 213 I believe one voted present because we're missing one that's 220 to 213 there are presently 434 in the body One open seat, you recall, we discussed that. A rep from uh, Virginia, name escapes me, lost his life shortly after was elected in the midterms. And so there's one seat that's open. There is a special election, I believe, scheduled in February to fill that seat. And then the other big uh, bill that got on through there, no surprise, was the repealing of funding for the 87,000 IRS agents that received funding in the Inflation Reduction Act. What the heck that has to do with inflation, I have no idea. But remember there was 80 billion dollars appropriated for this expansion supersizing if you will of the IRS and so the very first vote taken by the House of Representatives was in fact a measure to repeal all but I believe 8 billion of that in the 8 billion that uh, was not included in that repeal is in fact earmarked for investments In infrastructure and information technology desperately needed by the Internal Revenue Service more so than 87,000 additional agents Uh, technology and systems and especially with the advent of artificial intelligence could go a lot longer in trying to identify true tax cheats tax evasion not tax avoidance, which is perfectly legal. But what a difference a new majority makes. This is their first legislative act. Now, this is something that the Freedom Caucus and those who were holdouts on the McCarthy vote, this, is, this was a top priority for them. They wanted this desperately, and I totally agree with them. We of course denounced this and, and were critical of this funding from the get-go. We thought it was ridiculous and really just a move by the Democrats to, uh, I think, to just hassle legally pay, tax-paying Americans is all it was. Now here's the problem, and we'll talk about this later on in the program. <laughs> the Inflation Reduction Act was scored on the basis of you make an investment in these IRS agents, and that's an expense item, but you're going to get revenue as a result of that, and thus it made the numbers work out so that it could pass. Is one of the issues that made the numbers work out so that it could pass uh, solely on a... Uh, basic majority, simple majority basis under the reconciliation rules. So this actually, to the Democrats, means we're going to get less revenue because we don't have as many agents shaking down Americans to pull it out of them. So we're going to step aside for a break right here. We've got Secretary of State Michael Watson in the Element Well Studios today set up at Mississippi Blood Services. Come see us. We're back in the Element Well Studios. Today we're set up and broadcasting from Mississippi Blood Services off of Lakeland Drive on Treetops Boulevard. That's because we need you folks to come on out and donate blood. It's, It's fast, it's simple, it's painless. The folks here take good care of you. The weather is beautiful. It's a nice day to get out and about, unlike the last time we were here where it was a little stormy, but joining us now uh... in the element well studios at mississippi blood services is the secretary of state of the great state of mississippi michael watson mister secretary always good to see you sir
4: great to be here in a beautiful facility and you're right the weather is absolutely gorgeous and it's a great day to help someone no doubt about it no doubt about it so wanted to have you on today to discuss
3: the upcoming mbat summit and that is uh, focused on combating human trafficking which is a big problem uh, across our nation and it exists in this state as well and I think that a lot of folks are surprised to find out that human trafficking is happening out in Mississippi among us. You you typically think about what's the surge of, of illegal immigrants coming across the border and connected up to these
4: cartels and so forth. This is happening right here, absolutely right here in your backyard. And I remember when I was in the legislature and first started talking about this issue and had a couple of folks, um, you know, come up to me and say, "Hey, can we talk to you about human trafficking?" i was like, "Oh, that's in Vegas, yeah. it's in LA, it's in New York." Well, no, actually it's right here in our backyard. And uh, the worst one that I was told about at that time was a, a familial trafficking situation down in Brookhaven area and it was a grandfather who was trafficking his granddaughter. Uh, for drugs, mm. and it just broke my heart as a father. Uh, anybody who hears that story clearly is going to want you to get engaged and do something about it. So we we are. Uh, I was really excited to work on that issue in the legislature, and then carry it over to the Secretary of State's office. We kind of looked around the country and tried to figure out what is it that we can do to continue this momentum uh, in fighting human trafficking. And so we saw a few states that had done uh, what what they called their T-BAT for Texas, Texas Businesses Against Trafficking, i Iowa. Okay. Several states have done it, so we looked at uh, a couple of different models and tried to figure out what are the best pieces that we can bring to Mississippi, and that's what we did. And so we're up to about 97 members now, and it's businesses, it's nonprofits, you name it. And so last year, after we announced this, we saw an announcement come out from USM and their Center for Human Trafficking Research and Training and just perfect timing uh, to, to come alongside them and to partner up on this and so that's kind of how this idea was born. Let's put a summit together and let's start teaching these business owners and, and other individuals about human trafficking, what they can do inside their businesses, how we can combat that here in Mississippi. So great partnership with them, MBI, uh, Department of Health and so we're really excited about this. Uh, Jones Logistics, our friends down there are covering our food and beverage for the summit, but. We've got 159 registered so far and really excited about that and the work that we're going to be doing to make sure that people are aware it is happening in Mississippi. How do you recognize it and what do you do once you see it? Uh, how can you report that to law enforcement and how we can fight that together? Right.
3: Well, it, it's uh, always so shocking and heartbreaking to hear the the case that you described uh, how much of this occurs within families. It's family members that are trafficking other family members, vulnerable family members often, for their drug habits. That just seems to be the the typical scenario we hear from law enforcement that gets involved in these, of course, and uncovers these cases, often recovering the victim. Over and over again, it's, it's you can't even comprehend it, honestly. It's Agreed, it's a sad and, and
4: deal. The more you work on it, the more folks that you meet that have been involved and have been taken advantage of themselves in, in order to hear these stories. It, it just breaks my heart. Yeah, um, you know, how, how does someone do this? And so it's our job uh, to engage to combat this issue and do all that we can to make sure that it's not happening in Mississippi.
3: Totally agree. All right, the legislature officially in session now for one week, having gabbled in last Tuesday on January the 3rd. I'm quite sure you've been meeting with members. You've got uh, an agenda we do. that you'd like to see uh, taken up in the legislature.
4: Yeah. Absolutely. matter of fact, this morning at 9 a.m., I was in the uh, office across the street there meeting with Representative Brent Powell uh, working on our election integrity package. And uh, Similar to what we were doing last year, a few tweaks of a couple of different things. Our, our post-election audit, as a matter of fact, is going to be a little bit different this year. Uh, we're still working on the citizenship piece. Uh, there was a bill that passed last year that was a bit watery down so we're trying to strengthen that bill this year and uh, a few of the things that we're working on uh, with our clerks and with others across the state uh, so we're excited about that and a few different things some cleanup language so some LLC's uh, we have to send out notification every year when it's uh, dissolved and so when we do that uh, we have to send letters and so every year, that number you know, is about $30,000 right. a mail. So we're trying to convert that over to an email address where we can save thirty, 000, forty thousand dollars 40000 a year. So a uh, little things like that.
3: Yeah. It's All right. Well, so we've got statewide elections uh, less than a year away. Uh, anything we should know about from uh, the Secretary of State's perspective with respect to upcoming uh, voting procedures, and so forth.
4: Yeah, two things on that. Number one, I want to make sure that people are aware. House District 23 has a special election today. So up around Lafayette, Calhoun, a couple other counties that are in that. Make sure that you're getting out and voting today. Again, very important. All elections are important. This one is a House seat. So uh, if you're in that district, please get out and vote today. Uh, Qualifying deadline, February 1st, coming up for this year. And then the primary election is on August 8th and the general election on November 7th. So we'll talk more as we get closer to those deadlines, uh, you know, as far as registration and other things you need to be aware of, absentee voting, etc.
3: And we should also point out that the redistricting will apply. That's right. In, in this cycle.
4: That's right. New districts will will be uh, coming to play this year. Uh the for instance since you mentioned that, special district 23 right now is, is it under it? the old lines. Oh right. Of special election. Right. but then in November will be under the new lines. Gotcha. Well, we appreciate uh, all your and your office's efforts
3: to keep our elections fair and honest and accurate. Always do a good job there. Appreciate that. Anything else you're working on with the legislature you want to talk about?
4: Yeah, a few different things, but before we get to that, we've got another summit coming up uh, that I want to mention next Tuesday, our ambassador summit. And uh, you and I, I think we've talked about this program before, but we've got 56 high school seniors from around the state. had. Uh, north of 100 applications and and by the way the new applications will be coming out pretty soon but this is a group of our leaders across this state that are high school seniors we're teaching them how elections work how government works in Mississippi and basically trying to be a mentor as well teaching them look there are certain careers here that you don't have to go find somewhere else Uh, we want to tell everybody the opportunities that are here in Mississippi so as we take our rising senior leaders and teach them about what all is here in Mississippi our hope is that we can keep them here. And not only that, but then let's educate them on how elections work, how the government works, so they can be involved as they grow up here in our state.
3: That's awesome. That's awesome. So so desperately needed, uh, you, you find you could go around uh, the college campuses, for example, today and ask them about just some basic civics questions, and I think we'd all be shocked at the responses or lack thereof we would receive, which just shows that they're they're not getting all that, uh, that content when they're getting educated in the K-12 race.
4: That's exactly right. And so our our summit coming up, we have one in the fall, we have one in the spring. Lieutenant Governor's going to be speaking to them. We're working on getting a speaker there as well, Uh, going through an overview of what our office does so they're aware of that. Uh, and we're partnering with them on voter registration drives as well in their high schools. Yeah. So we'll have 56 high school seniors Good. registering their, their classmates in their, their schools all across the state. We've got one with us today, Garrett Robinson, uh, came a little earlier today, so he's spending some time with us in the office. But again, spending time and pouring into these young individuals who are leaders across the state, Teaching them what they need to know about Mississippi government, how elections work, uh, just getting them engaged. I yeah. think that's an important piece. Makes
3: total sense. Okay, so you've you got the two big summits then coming up that are on uh, your agenda, on your calendar, I guess we should say, that's at right. this point. All right, so we got qualifying day coming up. February 1, it's been moved up from prior cycles.
4: Legislature moved it up last year, I believe yep. it was.
3: Yeah, and so February 1, only about three weeks away. Have you announced your plans yet?
4: I've not. I've not. We'll, uh, we'll be doing that pretty soon. Okay. So uh, excited about that. I understand. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's fun, you know, uh, thinking about serving Mississippians and it's been something that's been in my heart for a long time and making sure that we're doing the best that we can where we're planted at a certain time. So we will be announcing that pretty soon, uh, but, you know, excited to see this election year come around and get out and visit with Mississippians. And yeah. Uh, that's really where you learn what's going on in our state and this uh, this Jackson bubble, sometimes folks get caught up in it, and uh, this just isn't reality. Uh, when you go yeah. when you go around the state and you talk to folks and, and see that there are issues that are yeah. everyday problems out there that we can be working on, that's what's important. Yeah. Uh, making no sure doubt. That we're, we're keeping ourselves grounded and talking to them is, is really how, how you lead.
3: No doubt. Does it look like there's going to be a great deal of turnover in the legislative ranks? Uh, we've seen Representative Tom Miles who said he won't be seeking re-election. I think Dana Criswell up in DeSoto, DeSoto County haven't seen a whole lot more uh, announcements along those lines and probably see a flurry you would think uh, before the filing the qualifying deadline february
4: one Get yeah, busy. I, mean, I think you will. Uh, Representative Busby, um, yeah. so he's moving on transportation. Right, he was on last week, yep. A couple of folks have qualified in his uh, former district down there,
3: so yep. it'll be exciting around the state. Seeing a few new faces, and it should be interesting, as uh, always. I look forward to the Neshoba County Fair in particular, right? That's <laughs> yeah. when we, you get your fill of politics and political speeches that, and grandstanding.
4: Right. <laughs> look, as long as folks will, will just remember, let's select folks yeah. who, who care about working for Mississippi more than they care about their careers great uh, point we're gonna be all right great way to put it
3: appreciate it Secretary of State Michael Watson has been our guest here on middays once again we're at Mississippi blood services come on out and give blood thank you mr. secretary appreciate Always, it my friend coming right back on midday stay with us is I, I,
0: is I, is I. started today the fans? it's time for
3: Welcome back, everyone. Midday Super Talk Mississippi, live from Mississippi Blood Services today. We have once again relocated the Element Well Studios on the road today. Watching the markets, they've been rather volatile in the early trading. Started out, uh, futures were down, then swung to near neutral went up went down the old kangaroo rhino hopping all over the place not surprised by that and the news driving the markets today uh, are are interesting the uh, the news coming out of Jay Powell chairman of the Fed who's speaking abroad I believe today and he's saying that uh, the Fed is not a policy maker. How about that? Not a climate change policy maker. And uh, pardon me, I said policy maker. I meant to say describe that with the ab- adjective climate change policy maker. And and that's good welcome news because it wasn't so long ago we were on this program discussing the Fed pursuing policy that fits the climate change narrative Wasn't so long ago that we were in fact denouncing Fed chairs For saying they would include that in their policy making decisions You have the controller of the currency and regulatory bodies that want banks to provide their contingency plans for climate change and to show how not just provide their financial picture with all of the various financial data and show that they are meeting various financial regulations and reserve requirements etc balance various balance sheet metrics and ratios and measurements to show that they are a viable operating entity no they wanted to show what the heck are you going to do with respect to climate change? If it comes about, what sort of exposure do you have in your loan portfolio to to those businesses that might be subject to a, an economic downturn and thus default on their loans? And are you loaning to businesses that are in the fossil fuels industry? And so Jay Powell finally comes out this morning in his remarks glad to see it and said we are not in the climate change policy making business you don't say so markets reacted rather positively to powell's remarks when he said that this morning a little bit anyhow but it's it is a welcome a sentiment from the Fed chair, which is a bit of a pivot from what they were saying not so long ago where they were making climate change front and center in their policy making decisions, which is insane. Of course, we've already got the woke Secretary of the Treasury, Janet Yellen, who said that climate change and, and racial bias were central themes in their policy making and administrative operational efforts which is crazy on the surface you're a bank you're the u.s treasury your your job is not to be a climate change activist so good to hear that jay powell said that jamie diamond the ceo of, of jp morgan wasn't so long ago, he was on the Hill testifying. Congress wanted to know about their policies with respect to climate change. Well, it's not, we haven't outlawed fossil fuels totally. It's not against the law. I've said this so many times before. The Congress and members of the federal government at all levels should just leave the private sector the heck alone and never. In my view, even mention their names, names of businesses, names of executives, unless they're breaking the law. Well, it's not against the law to invest in or loan to the fossil fuels industry. Now, honestly, that's what the Democrats want. They've made it very clear. We're going to put them out of business. We want to ban the use of fossil fuels totally. That's their goal. But until that occurs, these banks, these financial institutions are within... They're right to work with loan money, invest to make investments in the fossil fuels industry. And he told the U.S. Congress, I believe this was in early uh, December, he told the U.S. Congress that his bank, quote, absolutely does not have a policy against funding new oil and gas projects, and the idea of doing so quote would be the road to hell for America well once again this morning in an interview on the business news he kinda of doubled down on those sentiments and he said we, we lend to any industry as long as they're not breaking the law and as long as they can meet our underwriting standards well that's the way it should be you're, in, you're a financial institution, you're a bank, you're not a climate change activist and so now we got Fed Chair Jerome Powell telling the world today, yeah, we're not going to include climate change in our policy making. Great. That's the way it should be. So the markets like that. And this is all goes back to this ESG environmental social governance principles in investing and managing and operating a company. Folks, I'm not sure if you've seen this. It, was, it just broke the news this morning. But the Biden administration is weighing a nationwide ban on gas stoves. Enjoy cooking on your gas stove? We certainly do in my house. Well, the Biden administration wants to ban gas stoves on the pretense, is the way I'm going to describe it of preventing harmful pro- pollutants from being released by these appliances into the air this is a hidden hazard the consumer product safety commission commissioner richard trumpka junior said any option is on the table products that can't be made safe can be banned So the American Chemical Society and New York University Law School's Institute for Policy Integrity found that gas stoves, which are used in about 40% of U.S. homes, emit pollutants. They say nitrogen dioxide, carbon monoxide, and fine matter at levels deemed unsafe by the EPA and the WHO. More than 12% of asthma, childhood asthma cases, childhood asthma cases can be attributed to
1: gas stoves. Just a quick reminder this anything? is the same government that believes frosted mini wheats are healthier than a poached egg. <laughs> That's true.
3: What was the other comparison? Fritos and something, right? Oh to yeah. Compared, <laughs> uh, there's a, they say there's about 50 years of health studies showing the gas stoves are bad for our health.
1: Except the there's strongest. only been one publicly available meta-analysis that was published less than a month ago, and you can't even see the data set they used. The set they used. Unbelievable. This is what. I think drives people bonkers
3: where they just don't trust government, and it's once again, you just wonder, of all the issues, of all the problems that beset us, why are we worried about this? Biden goes down to the border, for example, which is as is, is porous as Swiss cheese. And he doesn't really see the real border and what's really going on down there. The city of El Paso sanitizes the place before he arrives. He, he doesn't really get on the ground to see firsthand what in the heck's really happening down there. And so he walks away and basically says, Yeah, we, we got to send him more money. That's, that's what he said. And there are images you've probably seen this, folks. I know you have Rhino of him having a one-on-one discussion with officials from the Salvation Army. Okay, in their Salvation Army uniform, it's pretty recognizable, I would say, with the medallions on their um, on their lapels. It's either on their lapels or uh, or on their shoulders. And they've got the familiar S. Uh, I think it's a red S with a blue background outlined in gold. He mistook them for the Secret Service. You seen this? The Secret Service. (laughs) it's, It's gotten to be comical because it's constant. It's daily he makes these kinds of mistakes. We're going to be coming back with uh, Brittany Mitchell, Donor Resources Specialist at Mississippi Blood Services.
0: Mississippi. Come on. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. All right, we are back. On Super Talk Mississippi.
3: Welcome back, everyone, middays, live today at Mississippi Blood Services on Treetops Boulevard off of Lakeland Drive in Flowood, Mississippi, joining us now in the Element Well Studios. Tucked in the corner here with all the windows around us at uh, Mississippi Blood Services is a Brittany Mitchell Donor Resources Specialist with Mississippi Blood Services. Brittany, a little better weather today than the last time we were here.
5: Absolutely. A (laughs) hundred times better. (laughs) Uh, All right. So what do we need? We need blood. Um, But we have some really exciting things going on for national blood donor month um if you donate today through saturday the 14th at our Floyd main center you'll receive uh, your choice of a gift card as well as a mbs color changing cup that i have sitting right over here with me but um yeah y'all come in and donate y'all get some goodies
3: no excuse today the weather's great
5: exactly yeah.
3: <laughs> get on out and enjoy it on this january the 10th uh the the feedback we always get from donors is that it's uh, really a painless experience, great staff, treat you well, in and out, doesn't take very long, and you're doing so much to help others in absolutely. their time of need. That's the main point here.
5: Absolutely, absolutely. The whole process takes max about 30 minutes um, and everybody takes great care of you. You get to watch a little show while you're here at, your, at the main center. So, And we also have blood drives all across the state as well. So you can always visit our website to see where those are.
3: Yeah, and you, you handed me some statistics here. We should uh, tell the folks every two seconds in America, somebody needs blood.
5: Mm-hmm. And isn't it crazy that it took you five to say that?
3: I know. That's true. It
5: puts things in perspective. That's, that's a good point.
3: <laughs> a single blood donation can save two or more patients in need. The need for blood remains constant, and of course, there and you do have lots of folks that uh, come in on a regular basis mm. and donate blood.
5: Yes, that's we have what? a lot of regular donors. We
3: need to expand that base.
5: Absolutely. We yeah.
3: Need to expand that base, and I, and again, I can't say enough about the great staff and uh, the the quality of service. And this is also a fantastic facility as well. We're really blessed to, that Mississippi Blood Services is, is here in this facility. Easy to get to from frankly all over the state, but besides central Mississippi, you got locations all across the state.
5: We do. We do. Um, we have one in our in Cleveland, Mississippi as well as Oxford. Set up today. Mhm. Yeah. 9:35. okay. Uh-huh.
3: And what are the hours here today?
5: 9:35 is all.
3: Same as same as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, good. And uh what about any mobile drives coming up soon that you can talk about? Anything scheduled that you're aware of?
5: We do have some. we have one in Natchez, um Raymond Durant, uh Kroger in Madison, Merritt Health in Jackson. Um we have some in Greenville area, Boonville and Columbus. So I do encourage y'all to just visit the website at msblood.com where you can get more detail um, and see the times that those are happening today.
3: Corner to corner. They're just the about
5: to start. Yeah, so.
3: yeah, corner, corner to corner. Uh, anything else we need to know about? Some, some people often I get texts, they wanna know they have certain medical conditions that they think may prevent them from being eligible, uh, approved to donate, anything specific there that folks need to know about?
5: I just always encourage just to go on our medication deferral list and our resources library page and it it goes into detail about what makes you eligible or not. so you will not have to waste a trip coming up here for any reason or just give us a call too we have a great staff that will be able to answer any questions that you have when it comes to uh, eligibility
3: covid vaccination status you could come in the same day doesn't matter though right whether or not you are vaccinated we we don't care
5: no it doesn't not matter um yeah so same day
3: not wear masks in here either are we We are where are we
5: Well, we do ask that if you're not vaccinated, um, that you do for the sake of, you know, our staff and other donors in the building, um, but it's not required. Okay,
3: okay. Mm -hmm. Just encouraged. Yeah, just encouraged. Yeah, (laughs) totally understand. Um, any, uh, there's no wait time right now either, right? Just getting started. And I've seen some people coming in. So yeah. we're looking in good. We're looking like we're in good shape here.
5: We're looking good. I've, we've seen a couple people walk through the door. So that's yeah. always a good sign. Yeah.
3: And you get the snack bar when you're done. Oh yeah. Very important.
5: Oh yeah. yeah. We've got a variety of different good snacks for y'all And that's to <laughs> really
3: just to keep a quick eye on you for just a few minutes, uh, when, when you're uh, done with the donation process, just to make sure.
5: Yeah. No, no big deal. Just hang out a little bit yeah. longer. Why not? Folks
3: are nice, and you get to choose from the snacks and drinks, and uh, which is always fun. Mm-hmm.
5: Yeah.
3: Yep. All right. Well, we'll uh, be talking to you again in about an hour. Brittany Mitchell who is the, uh, what's your title exactly, Brittany? Your donor resources specialist. Donor got
5: resources specialist. Got it. From Mississippi yep.
3: Blood Services. We're on Treetops Boulevard in Flowood, Mississippi. Come by and see us. We're stepping aside for a break right here. We've got Super Talk News, Fox News coming up. At 12.05 today, we've got uh, Department of Public Safety Commissioner Sean Tindall. So please stay with us.
0: The talk that keeps Mississippi talking. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Begin your transition now. Now on Super Talk Mississippi. Never it you that
3: right. Welcome back everyone to Midday Super Talk Mississippi. We are live at Mississippi Blood Services relocated the Element Well Studios out here today. We got uh, Scary Gary jumping all around whenever he does these remotes there, Rhino. You know what's involved in that. A whole bunch of work. And he does it, and I simply show up, and it's all set up, ready to go, as is the case with you back at Super Talk headquarters. And I just put the headset on and start uh, talking, so I appreciate very much all the folks that make all this possible but we need blood that's why we're here today so in the segment before we went to break we were talking about the Biden administration's proposal to totally eliminate and implement a nationwide ban on gas stoves where does it end where does it end this government is bound and determined to intrude in every aspect of American life. It, it just there's just no limits that I can see. It it doesn't matter if it's in your household, and this which is the case here. Certainly from an economic perspective, and. Extending their tentacles into virtually every aspect of operating a business, it's incredible. And I just don't see any interest in slowing that down. And while I'm certainly pleased to see the vote in the House last night to strip away. It turns out it's 71 billion of the 80 billion dollars of funding to the IRS, which was included in the Inflation Reduction Act recently passed, signed into president uh, into law by the President. That bill, which is unlikely to ever see the light of day in the Democratic-controlled Senate, passed, once again, totally on party lines. 221 to 10 I haven't checked the roll call but that would indicate that three members did not cast a vote or, or voted present I'm not sure, I haven't looked at it yet but it doesn't really matter it's 221 to 210 totally on partisan lines and you won't see the light of day in the Senate so, okay, now what? We got that part done. Kevin McCarthy has fulfilled his promise to the group that held out on supporting him for Speaker that he would, in fact, allow such a measure on the floor. Now, we should point out, he made it clear that was a top priority before the first vote was ever cast for Speaker. So it's not like the group that held out won some battle here as far as getting this measure to the floor for a vote. So what did the Republicans do with this victory, which is just simply in the House? Because that's what they got, just a victory uh, to, on this, to support this bill that's now headed to the Senate. It will get killed. It will never get a vote in the Senate. And if it did, and there were a few Democrats who peeled off and defected from their party and voted with Republicans, assuming all Republicans in the Senate, which is, I think, a bit up in the air at this point, based on their 18 of them supporting the Uh, recently passed 1.7 trillion dollar omnibus bill but just assume that sufficient number of democrats would defect join all 49 republicans so as to pass this bill it goes to the president at that point having passed both houses and he of course doesn't sign it Vetoes That's all there is to it. Done deal. Next. So, at some point, we're likely to see a bill to enable term term limits. And, once again, that likely will pass the House. It will get no traction, I don't believe, in the Senate. And certainly, if it ever got to the President, it's going to get vetoed. So, you just look down the list of all the things that the holdouts wanted to accomplish, and I support those matters, those measures, those efforts, and I think it's good that that this legislation does provide a record, in in this case in the House. We see how all these House members voted and where they truly stand. And of course, in this case, it's not a surprise. All Democrats supported this measure or opposed this measure. All Republicans supported this measure. I don't think we learned anything from that. Will that make a difference in the next round of elections for members of the House which comes up during the presidential election year of 2024? I'm not sure, but I think it definitely shows a pretty clear contrast between the parties because the Democrats want a much larger government, and they they want to do so by ex- expanding the IRS. The New York Times wrote an article, published an article. There, there It was an op-ed, so one of their opinion editors penned it. Not so long ago where they said that expanding the IRS was necessary to go after the Jeff Bezos of the world. Well, we need 87000 to do that. And if you think you're going to find that Jeff Bezos has illegally evaded taxes, you're really not very smart. That's not where the tax evasion is occurring. He's got an army of accountants whose reputation license is on the line. And uh, uh, they're going to they're complete his taxes in accordance with the law. You're not going to get any more money and find any, any big pot of gold there in the Bezos household. That's silly. All the evasion is occurring in this gigantic cash economy that we have. That's where a lot of it occurs. And so these 87,000 IRS agents are going to shake them down. Now, maybe if the taxes weren't so dang high and so burdensome, you wouldn't have people looking to evade them. you ever thought about that, Democrats? No. No, they don't. They're, they haven't met a tax that they don't like, that they would not like to collect and levy, and I'm still concerned about the Trump tax cuts, some of which, some of those provisions already expiring this year. Particularly those on uh, corporations with the reduction in the percent, the 100% write-off of capital investments, immediate expensing is how it is, how it is um, described and termed let's see here so you're I'm looking on the ceasefire text line hmm so you're promoting the eighty seven thousand IRS agents lie I see care to tell your listeners how much denying that funding is going to cost the federal government in lost revenue yeah it's uh, it's not very much as a matter of fact uh, as I recall about a hundred and forty billion dollars that's about 40 billion dollars more than we sent to Ukraine as an example. That's one-sixth of what our debt interest is for a year. And by the way, this 146 billion over 10 years. Over 10 years, we're going to spend 80 to collect 146 over 10 years. I'm glad to see that you're so eager for corporations and the wealthy to cheat on their taxes. Good job. Give me some evidence of that. Tell me what corporations are cheating on their taxes. That's a pretty bold statement. Tell me who, which wealthy people are cheating on their taxes. I'm glad to see that a super talk host knows it way more than the Congressional Budget Office. I just gave you the Congressional Budget Office data. Of course, you're not willing to put forth your evidence. My evidence is the federal government. Ukraine has nothing to do with this nice deflection. No, i tell you what it has to do with. It has to do with a bloated federal government that's never met a penny it wouldn't spend as it sees fit. There's never any discussion about reducing spending. All Democrats care about is give me more, give me more, give me more. I find a place to plug it. I'll find a place to expend it. In this case, the amount of money going to Ukraine for a war that we don't know what the heck the purpose is from the U.S.'s perspective, what our interest is. You're making an argument from authority, which is a fallacy. So now you're saying the Congressional Budget Office is a fallacy? Uh, You're confusing me. Coming right back here on Midday. Stay with us.
0: Talk that keeps Mississippi talking. Now
2: onto the real part. Dino-mite.
0: on Super Talk, Mississippi. <laughs>
3: We are back in the Element Well Studios today at Mississippi Blood Services. That's right, 87,000 new IRS agents, and that would be funded by $80 billion over 10 years. That's the way all of this revenue and spending legislation is structured. We discussed that. Before it's it's all expressed in ten-year figures, and the amount of money and it's all speculative and it's uh, estimates pieced together by the Department of Treasury by the Internal Revenue Service, which is of course a department of the Department of Treasury, and the amount of money they expect to collect additionally by staffing up with 87,000 new agents, which they say would be focused on those who make more than $400,000 a year, and that's just simply not true, and what that would yield to the government in terms of revenue isn't a whole lot greater than the cost to produce it. it would generate about $9.9 billion Audit, auditing those who make more than four hundred thousand dollars at least that is about 28 percent according to my math of the estimated thirty point thirty five billion in new irs revenues the treasury thinks the agency would collect in twenty thirty one 2031 that's the scenario they presented so we're going to spend 8 billion dollars they estimate a year on average over the 10 year period and they're estimating they're going to collect 35 billion in new revenues in 2031 but only 28% of that comes from households who file with incomes over four hundred thousand dollars. You could audit a hundred percent
2: ten million in
3: income. There ain't a whole ain't a whole lot of those. And that still would fall short 20% short of the estimated $35 billion in new revenues in 2031. And this, by the way, assumes a 98% increase in the number of tax filers making over 400000 between 2019 and 2031. Yeah, we got an echo going on. So, on the ceasefire tax line, and once again, Gerard proves why my state taxpayer money should not be supporting right-wing propaganda. (laughs) It's not propaganda. Propaganda is is when you're embellishing the facts in in an attempt to persuade a a sentiment. Are we okay now with silence?
2: Be back, uh, okay. So, well hang on, we'll disconnect and reconnect. Oh, it just keep oh, me off. Kicked okay, me off. Hang, okay on. hang on.
0: What the hell It'll happen. Hang on, hang on.
2: It says we're still connected. I'm gonna disconnect and reconnect.
3: back okay we back folks we back sorry all right so we were just we were just talking about uh, this IRS 87,000 agents that has been defunded by the House of Representatives which keep in mind the Republican conference in the House of Representatives represents Essentially, one half of one third of government. When you consider the lawmaking process, sounds like we're back. Appreciated, everyone. And but on the ceasefire text line, evidently I rubbed somebody the wrong way. There is
0: all well, I can
1: Well, it's the say. same person that always has an argument but never really has any evidence to back up his argument because he's been spoon-fed nonsense by the talking <laughs> heads on MSNBC and the idiots with D's by their name that he votes for. <laughs>
3: He said, seriously, dude, never take anyone serious that says, dude, (laughs) you are intentionally omitting a lot of information. Lying by omission is still lying. So I'm being called a liar by this individual. If somebody wants to point out precisely where my data is inaccurate that I'm providing, Well, then you're calling the government a liar, because that's where I get the data from. Well, that's the problem with trying to argue
1: with these fools and these willfully ignorant Democrats, liberals, and idiots, is because just above his statement, you're making an argument from authority, which is a fallacy, he brought up the Congressional Budget Office, which is where you're getting your information, and he claimed that you know more than them. They argue themselves in circles. (laughs) I just passed on what
3: the CBO and the Department of Treasury reported. That's all I did because all of that's necessary for the scoring, and we've discussed that before. And the scoring is essential to the Senate parliamentarian to determine whether or not legislation can pass by simple majority through the reconciliation process, or does it require the supermajority of 60 votes in the Senate? That that's in the numbers and the math involved in those estimates is what they use and that's done by the government by the Congressional Budget Office unbelievable so it, you make it personal now and that's fine you can attack me personally all day long I'm a big boy and I can take it and really don't care I'm just discussing and sharing facts to inform the audience and if folks want to go fact check me, please do. And if I'm and if I'm saying something that's inaccurate here, let me know and we'll correct it. I promise.
1: I think I figured out why this guy has a burr under his saddle. He really hates whatever it is he does for a living, and he's envious as all get out that we get to have conversations like grown adults, while he has to do whatever it is that he's doing.
3: I appear apparently. Uh, because <laughs> says that we get three hours a day to broadcast whatever kind of nonsense, pushback or fact checking whatsoever. I just invited you, fact check. Go right ahead. I'm wide open to it. I'm just sharing the facts. It, what's really incredible is this obsession with revenue. Think about it. Why? why is it more productive and efficient to send more money to the federal government only to see it get hosed up wasted defrauded abused and and transferred into programs and other organizations and efforts which honestly produce no value for the people good grief we just talked about the long list of leftist pet pork projects in the omnibus bill that produce no value for society as a whole unbelievable and uh, just no regard for that No, no interest in trying to explore all of these programs which are absolutely just filled up, just rife with all sorts of waste, fraud, and abuse. There doesn't seem to be any interest whatsoever of digging into those at a most detailed level to examine is this really a good use of taxpayer money and this is why we've got to return to zero-based budgeting and get rid of this stupid baseline budgeting and we've got to eliminate this omnibus funding process and return to regular order and negotiate 12 separate funding bills. And that doesn't even address the massive amount of waste, fraud, and abuse in, in uh, the mandatory programs of Medicare, Social Security, and Medicaid. You just show up, say you're disabled, and they don't even check for the most part, and you can get benefits. We're coming right back on Midday. Stay with
0: us. Bring it on. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. It is on. On Super Talk Mississippi.
3: bid days from Mississippi Blood Services today. We've relocated the Element Well Studios out here in Flowood, Mississippi in the Mississippi Blood Services headquarters at the Flowood, Oxford, and Cleveland Blood Services Centers now through Saturday, January
0: Fell far heroes
2: prove. Something like this. Listen here. Oh, beautiful, far spacious skies, far amber waves of rain, far purple mountain majesty. Yes, he did. Every brotherhood from sea to shine sea. You know, I wish I had somebody to help me say this.
1: Soul, what's wrong with me i am
6: you like a man on a fuzzy tree my friends say i'm acting wild as a bug i'm in love i'm all shook up oh
1: yeah, yeah,
5: yeah well my hands are shaky and my knees are weak i can't seem to stand on my own feet who do you think but oh, i don't i don't know i know i
3: don't all right all right we're back sorry about that folks having a little bit of technical difficulties right after I was bragging on the team here (laughs) but sometimes you just get uh, as we used to say in the IT industry I think it was the dirty electrons is what it was we had to clean the electrons up a little bit to get things going so appreciate you uh, hanging in there with us and your patience as uh, the team was working feverishly to restore uh, us to the air and we are back. So before we went uh, down there, we were just talking again about this whole IRS situation. I did research that even further while we were on the break. And so the latest estimate by the CBO is that this $80 billion investment over 10 years would yield about $200 billion. And that, I think, is a very aggressive figure and unlikely to produce that and they continue to stand on this idea that they're going to pursue all the taxpayers, corporate taxpayers and taxpayers that make more than $400,000 a year. I still maintain they'll never produce that. A whole lot can happen of course in 10 years, but the bigger question is and and often is this because they were they were maliciously and with, with intent, evading taxes, which is illegal, either through not reporting revenues or over-reporting deductions or, or any, anything else they might do in the preparation of their taxes uh, to reduce their tax bill. Uh, I submit as complicated as the tax code is, even with respect to highly qualified CPA tax preparers, Sometimes there's just lots of gray area, and of course, most taxpayers, depending on how aggressive they feel and how much risk they want to take, doesn't mean they're abating taxes. It just means that when you start applying the code and the law, you could line up multiple accountants and tax preparation specialists and get a different take, and that's how they do it. And then you bring the IRS in, and they have a different take that is absolutely quite possible but that honestly pales in comparison to all the income that just flat out goes unreported there's a huge cash economy in, out, out there and that's because taxes the tax bite is too severe which is why we just need to cut down on the uh, on the on the amount of taxes levied just too Too high, too great, too onerous. That never even makes it into the discussion, it doesn't seem. And again, I say, well, why do you want all this revenue? And what they'll tell you is, we need it for more programs. We need it to fund child tax credits. Not because they want to reduce the deficit, balance the budget, start Paying off debt. No, that's not what they want the revenue for. They want it for more programs. More programs. Uh, there's no program they can't dream up. If you think about the family and medical leave, they wanted the extension to make permanent, the child tax credits, the increase in the Obamacare pre- revisions, the Obamacare subsidies, all of which was in the Inflation Reduction Act. And remember, that's what this additional revenue was designed to fund. It it wasn't because they were going to pay down on the debt or balance the budget. It was for more programs. That's why any clear-thinking person ought to oppose this. That just represents, as Thomas and Greenwood says here, because that would require limiting government. There's no interest in limiting government. And then watching the 18 Republicans in the Senate who signed on to the $1.7 trillion omnibus bill, it makes you scratch your head about their interest in limiting government. So at least we did get a House where all Republicans were in line. I think this is... This is notable. This is notable. This is something we should take stock of that all Republicans in the House voted to repeal this $80 billion to the IRS. Coming right back here on Middays with Brittany Mitchell from Mississippi Blood Services.
0: That means... Middays with Gerard Gibbert. We'll do it live! On Super Talk Mississippi.
3: Middays, Super Tom, Mississippi, we are at Mississippi Blood Services. We thank you so much for joining us. Brittany Mitchell, Donor Resources Specialist with Mississippi Blood Services, uh, our guest here in Flowood at the Mississippi Blood Services Headquarters. All right, Brittany, how are we doing today?
5: We are doing good. We have definitely seen an increase in donors since y'all have been here with us today. So thank you for that.
3: Good, good. Well, uh, I've talked to a couple of people that walked by that said they heard us and they decided to come by. So that's what this is all about.
5: Absolutely.
3: Got people coming in and you're all staffed up, ready to to take them in, to get them all connected up. you got to go through a little bitty test. It's not much to it.
5: Yeah, just a small health evaluation just to check your blood pressure, um, do some uh, check what medications you might be cha- uh, taking and things of that nature. But it doesn't take long at all. We're just making sure you're healthy and ready to donate.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's really nothing to it. And once you get through that, and they take you on back and get you connected up. It's totally painless. And you're, you're really doing something good for others in their time of need, uh, which you explained earlier in the data you sent me, every two seconds in America, someone needs blood. That's just mind-boggling when you think about it.
5: Absolutely. It's one of my favorite things that really just sticks, you know, yeah. something that you always remember. That is just a crazy way to think about how important it is to donate blood.
3: People that I think are a little surprised, I certainly was, to find out just how how critical the need is and how frequent the need is every two seconds is sort of mind-boggling. So the blood that is donated and collected by Mississippi Blood Services, who is the recipient of that blood where does that ultimately land
5: hospitals all across the state of mississippi receive the blood for patients in the hospital that need it so
3: and do they do they uh, contact you guys is there is there like orders that they place or is there just a, a, a constant flow of that from your your donor facilities and, and out to the hospitals and the providers
5: well typically um, there's a certain need of blood types that a certain hospital may need so they'll call and uh, place an order and see if we have it on our shelves so that's why we're always looking for certain blood types um, just by demand
3: and I know this question often comes up what type do you need and the co- and the answer always is all of them all right exactly it's Absolutely a bit, it's all a bit of them. rhetorical <laughs> But uh, I think you've explained before that there are some types, perhaps, that are a little more rare than others. Yes. uh, Just in, in terms of how many people actually have that type. And so uh, maybe there's a bit more pressure on the supply of that. But in general, you need all types.
5: Right. we we love for everyone to come in, but some of the ones that we are constantly in need of are O and B donors. Okay. okay. So um, typically a lot of people, you know, whether it's a universal donor or like they can receive any type of blood type, you know, that O negative is why we are always pushing for O negative, and it's so rare to have right. that blood type. So,
3: And is this National Blood Donor Month? It is. it is. Okay. So, all, right. all
5: the more reason to come and donate. And we also have some really great goodies that we're giving our donors. Um, uh, if you donate today through Saturday, you will have a choice of a gift card and also a blue color changing tumbler. So it's pretty cool. I'm looking it at it. It yeah. is. Yeah. It's got the polka dots on it. You know, uh-huh. it's like Target the Blood Shortage. So, it's kind of giving a Target uh, vibe, gotcha. uh, which is one of the gift cards you can receive. Uh, but we have a variety to choose from.
3: You guys always have neat swag.
5: We like to take care of people. (laughs) You you
3: definitely do. (laughs) And of course, once you uh, proceed through the small medical evaluation, you get whisked back there to to donate. And uh, the technicians that uh, work with you there are always so nice Mm -hmm. and so, so fun to work with. And then you get to the snack bar and have a little refreshment. And they send you on your way. It takes 30 minutes, right? That's about it. That's about it. And it's so crucial and so critical. And Mississippians are so generous. And and this is really one way that they can help their fellow Mississippians is by coming out here to Mississippi Blood Services or any of the other locations across the state, throughout the state. 30 minutes of your time, make a a donation, send you on your way, and know that you are helping uh, at least two or more patients that might be in need.
5: Yep, and we just encourage you, if you can't make it to one of our three centers, um, which are located in Flowood, Cleveland, and Oxford, we encourage you to visit our website at msblood.com. We have mobile drives all across the state today that are have just begun, so we definitely give us a call as well at 601-368-2673 if you and we can just go ahead and uh, get you all set up for an appointment.
3: Appreciate it, Brittany. Brittany Mitchell, donor resources specialist at Mississippi Blood Services. It's time for Super Talk News and Fox News. We'll step away, coming back with Commissioner Sean Tyndall and Tony Carlton, the director of Mississippi Law Enforcement Training Academy. Stay with us. A little
2: trip, take a little trip.
3: Welcome back, everyone, to Middays. We are live at Mississippi Blood Services in Flowood, Mississippi, just cruising through Hour 2 of the program. Now in Hour 3, the afternoon portion, Commissioner Sean Tindall. He is the commissioner, of course, of the Department of Public Safety, and also Tony Carlton, the director of Mississippi Law Enforcement Training academy our guests now here in the element well studios at mississippi blood services so good to see you gentlemen and uh, a nice day to be out and about in the capital city and around the metro area last time we were here it was raining like crazy but we're getting people come in to donate blood today and that's why we're doing this and they're hearing our voice and coming in and saying we heard you On the radio, we came in to give blood, and that's what we need. So appreciate you guys uh, coming in. Uh, Commissioner tell us about uh, Tony's new appointment here.
2: Well, we were very excited about it. Um, you know, Tony um, had came to us during the search process for a new director. Thomas Tuggle had been the director at Meloda for, for years and had done an excellent job, but upon his retirement we knew there were some uh, big shoes to fill so we uh, started the search process and, and I felt like it was important as we as we looked for a new director of Meloda that we um, kind of returned the focus to somebody that had that some experience at a sheriff's office or police department and and since that is a majority of the folks that do come through Malota or local law enforcement agencies wanted somebody with a background and contacts in that arena and and you know tony was a was a good choice a great choice Uh, we, we we looked at some other candidates that were also great choices but but tony brought a level of enthusiasm at a point in his career where we felt like he uh, brought all the things we needed and so excited to have him coming down from North Mississippi um, where he came from uh, up around Oxford and uh, and also spent some time on the coast. He was at Harrison right. County for a little while, so that's part of it. He has the connection statewide, and, and, and i got to tell you, a lot of the law enforcement officers I know from across the state have reached out to me and, and very pleased uh, with our announcement that Tony was going to be uh, be, be heading up Meloto good Uh, for the near future
3: so the Academy Commissioner uh, are you training just officers for uh, to be state troopers in the highway patrol, or are we training other law enforcement organizations as no, well
2: that 's two different things so okay. our trooper academy is held at Melda, okay. uh, but that is a totally different academy and and uh, and operated separate. Uh, Meloda does the basic training uh, for law enforcement it also does uh, some investigator programs and, and different specialized programs that courses that they put on, but again, the emphasis at Malota Um, is for local law enforcement agencies. And and we do do some work with other state agencies. You'll see Wildlife and Fisheries send officers through there. You'll see Corrections send officers through there. Uh, But the primary focus is local law enforcement. And there's uh, several academies from across the state. Uh, in addition to uh, Malota, that, that do the same thing and and we really want to get Malota back to being a, a leader uh, in training law enforcement across the state. In fact we had a meeting yesterday very exciting. We're putting together plans for a new campus out there so we'll have some state-of-the-art uh, technology in, in the future, larger dormitories and, and, and better facilities um, so that we'll be the premier law enforcement agency
6: uh, training academy in the state.
3: Tony, congratulations. Uh, what, what do you think about this? What
6: are your plans? Thank you. Well, I'm certainly excited about it, and uh, I appreciate so much to Governor Tate uh, Reeves and, and Commissioner Sean Tindall for allowing me the opportunity to, to, to bring some experience there and, and to grow. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited about that, and I appreciate it.
3: Yeah, and what's your background exactly? Well, I,
6: I did. I'm originally from Tupelo. Mm-hmm. Uh, born and raised there and started my law enforcement career actually on the campus at Mississippi State. And after that, I went back home for a while and really got to learn a lot about the academy. I started teaching out there in 97. So my background started with law enforcement defensive tactics. From there is when I moved to the coast uh, and was able to work at their academy and just found myself uh, in different roles growing in law enforcement. I, I actually felt I could provide more or wanted an opportunity to do more than just on the street And so uh, the the training aspect really uh, drove me to do those things.
3: Yeah, awesome! Congratulations. By the way, Neil from Ponatok, a regular listener, says, "Congratulations to Tony. He's a great man." Thank you. So that's that's awesome when you (laughs) when you hear that uh, out from the community. Sounds like you made a great selection there, Commissioner. And so we we look for uh, great progress you got uh, the legislature in session, been there a week now, effective today. What's on your radar that uh, you want them to address from a DPS perspective?
2: Well, we've got a pretty light ask uh, when it comes to legislation this year. Our our biggest focus is budget. Obviously, uh, inflation has hit the state of Mississippi and, and government employees, state employees, like it has everybody. So, you know, trying to... Um, find ways to to provide better salaries for our public safety officials I I think is uh, very important. Um, We're also pushing for some just some language cleanup in and, and, uh, you know, your, your general bills, yep. but, but nothing too big. The Probably the biggest piece of legislation we have is the Guardian uh, Act, and, and recently the Department of Education um, had a f- clarification so that their policies conform with state law, that, that teachers with enhanced carry permits could, uh, with the school district's approval, bring a firearm to school. Um, we want to provide a uh, what, what we're calling the Guardian Program, which is training. Uh, for those school districts and teachers that, that want to uh, partake in that process and, and as part of that uh, we want those teachers to get a stipend for you know doing it um, going through the pro- the program which will be about a three week training program where they'll learn uh... enhanced firearm techniques self-defense techniques and communication techniques and so we we feel like it's a very well vetted program we work with the department of education on it uh... we've worked with uh... law enforcement uh... different you know agencies on it and coming up with a policy and and we 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 think it's going in the right direction and and you know it's a voluntary program the teachers don't have to do it and the school districts don't have to do it but if they're going to do it we want to make sure they have the proper training yeah
3: that that totally makes sense how are we doing with respect to uh, recruiting. I know it's always an issue and a challenge for you guys that you're constantly working on.
2: Well, we've got a trooper school starting uh, at the end of January, and, and we've really had some excellent candidates apply, and, and I'm really excited about this class. We're, we're hoping to have at least 70 to 80 start, uh, graduate at least 50, and maybe 60, and and uh, really pleased with that. Uh, they, they've got a new class out at Malota and, and I think Tony can talk a little bit about the class size yeah. there. But, but recruiting is an issue. You know, It's harder and harder to find good law enforcement officers, and I think it's imperative that across the state uh, that local communities and, and the state for that matter provide uh, a livable wage for, for law enforcement if we're going to get the quality we need to provide the quality salaries to get them in, the, in sure. that
3: arena Sure, yeah. Tony tell us about uh, the academy uh, uh, commissioner you mentioned uh, when you introduced Tony that you've, you've got some investments coming in new technology new techniques tell us a little bit about that
6: well certainly a lot of the things that are coming up are about virtual reality and so we can put officers in certain situations to help that training when yeah. they get back home and able to, to deal with that so they've come a long way with that technology and cgi even with the changing the voices and things like mm-hmm. that so it it really puts a, an aspect for them because some of the smaller agencies in and ta- in, in the state may not ever see that yeah. they may i mean it may be a rare occurrence but they're able to put them in different settings so when the officer is visually watching that it's set up to where you can uh, you can actually set up a certain area that you want them to, and they can actually walk and move around in that area in a safe environment. So yeah. it's it's really come a long way of what that advanced training is doing there. So it's just a part of getting on getting that in board and how do we how do we get that involved and set it in the curriculum so so it's provided all over the state.
3: Any other assets or resources you need at the academy at this point that you'd like to see?
6: Well, the commissioner and and they're working on that as he said earlier about yeah. the the facilities and, yeah. and and that'll come. We're 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 not going to stop training and we're going to sure. provide some high quality guys. The virtual reality is one of them, but also as far as the advanced classes, we have to do a lot better on the de-escalation aspect of that. We want officers to be able to be in a certain situations and remain calm, but be aware. Be, keep their tactics up. So we're going to continue with that and, and follow through.
3: I know I'm sure you have a lot of uh, tried and true <coughs> legacy standards in place, of course, for uh, various responses to different situations, but it seems like there's always something new happening. And when you see that happening somewhere in the country or maybe even in the world, do, does that incorporate get incorporated into your training? Do you upgrade your training to now address that?
6: Well, the Department of Standards and Training certainly uh, when when the board meets, they look at those new technologies or what the academy directors bring to them, and says, "Hey, we've got some issues here that we're not training on. Yeah. How do we incorporate that? How how do we extend the course to to involve that?" And so then the, then it gets to inventing. Uh, the new instructors in that and, and see how we can put those programs together. I'm
3: sure the goal is to expose the officers to every possible situation to the extent possible that right. you can right. so that they don't encounter something in practice in their actual work that they haven't seen before and they know what to do. That's
6: right. That's mm-hmm. what.
3: That's the goal. Commissioner and Tony, appreciate it. By the way, more text rolling in. Paul and Fulton says Tony Carlton is a great choice. I've known him since he was a young man. I also worked at the Tupelo PDs from yeah, Walnut, yeah. Mississippi. <laughs> I was on the City Council in Tupelo when we hired Tony as our police chief. He will be a great new position. Congratulations Fred Pitts, who used to work with my right. father by the way. Thank you. Mr. Appreciate Pitt. you guys coming on. Thanks. Good to see you Commissioner. Good Tony. to see you. Thank Good you. luck to you and we'll be right back here at Mississippi Blood Services Midday Super Talk Mississippi.
4: Okay. Is everybody
0: ready? I'm ready. Middays with Gerard Gibbett on Super Talk Mississippi.
3: We are back on Middays at Mississippi Blood Services. Flowood, Mississippi today because we need blood. We appreciate the commissioner and Tony Carlton in his new role as the director of Mississippi Law Enforcement Training Academy, MELODA, as it is known, the acronym for coming on middays. Really appreciate that. So, And also, it's, it's clear that Tony was a good choice just from some of the text we got here on the program uh, letting us know what a quality individual he is. And we certainly uh, appreciate that. Uh, Also found out this morning that Shawaski Young, who was a candidate for the third congressional district, ultimately won by Congressman Michael Guest. He was a candidate, was Mr. Young as a Democrat, has qualified to run for Secretary of State that just occurred this morning and we shall see if any other candidates enter that race you probably heard secretary of state hopefully you did michael watson on the program earlier today when we asked him what his plans were if he would qualified for an office he said uh, no announcement yet nothing official there have been certainly rumors about secretary watson possibly filing as a candidate for governor of the great state of Mississippi but nothing official there yet and so it remains to be seen where that leads but we've got about three weeks until filing date so we're gonna know much sooner than we have in the past with the legislature moving the filing date up during the session last year to February the first get that out of the way Is really what's going to happen there. So we will have plenty to talk about, Rhino, that's for sure, because we're going to, I think, see some interesting races. There certainly is a lot of buzz about State Senator Chris McDaniel challenging Lieutenant Governor Delbert Hoseman for Lieutenant Governor and as a Republican, taking him on in the Republican primary. Nothing official on that yet at this point. But that is a lot of speculation along those lines. I'm quite sure most people have seen and heard that. There's also been some rumors about Bill Waller, Justice Waller, running for governor again as well. That would be kind of a rehash of the 2019 primary that featured... Governor Tate Reeves and Justice Waller. Governor Reeves Reeves edged him out in the primary to proceed to the general election in 2019. So uh, I haven't heard about any other candidates at the statewide level than the incumbents at this point. Auditor Shad White announced yesterday, and I believe qualified, to run for reelection as the state auditor haven't seen anything from the attorney general the state treasurer the insurance commissioner the ag commissioner haven't seen anything official there yet but i fully expect that all of those individuals would run for re-election for their respective offices <laughs> So it's uh, Thomas and Greenwood says, it saddens me to think Chris McDaniel is the poster child for what is considered conservative. And you know, that's something we talked about yesterday.
1: It's what happens when you I, institute I, all these purity tests.
3: Which, I, and it's a good point that Rhino makes there because Larry and Mize asked that question yesterday. The question specifically was, do you think our Washington delegation is conservative? And and any time I get asked that question, I don't immediately just respond with a flat-out yes or no. And that's simply because I don't think there's a consensus anymore. I'm not sure there ever was one, but certainly it seems to be even more prevalent today. I don't know that there's a consensus of exactly what constitutes conservatism. I don't know that my definition of that, for example, would be the same as pick anybody. Thomas's, Chris McDaniel's, pick anybody. Uh, Now, they all may label themselves as such for political expediency, but I think it's safe to say that there are a lot of folks that are listening that would say to those people who label themselves as conservatives, and I'm talking about people, I'm talking about people that serve in government. They would say, well, no, you're not. You're not really conservative. And, And then when you dig into it and try to understand how do you define that, I think a lot of folks fall short in not being able to completely provide a holistic definition of what it means to be conservative and what, those principles entail uh, and then even when you look at those principles they're often expressed in an abstract non-specific fashion and it, it well, to me the the more appropriate way to discuss it to uh, I guess label it define it is it, just based on specific definitive issues and where politicians, be they elected or candidates, where they stand on those specific issues. And then you have to define those stances as either conservative or not. And one person may say, well, yeah, supporting or opposing that particular issue is conservative. And the next person, who also fashions themselves as a conservative, will have the opposite take on that. And and that's the point. To me, is that there's just very little alignment. I shouldn't say very little. Let's just say that there's often cases where there's a lack of congruence. So you could say, for example, the federal government's power should be limited to those which are enumerated in the Constitution. And I think most people would say, well, yeah. And then you start digging into what exactly does that mean? And, and I think you'd find that there would be uh, lack of consensus. There would be disagreement. One, one person's interpretation of the Constitution is different than the next. That's why we have a Supreme Court, honestly. If, if you want to redress your government and you believe that it has, has uh, ventured outside of its scope as enumerated in the Constitution, you take them to court and you let the courts decide. I mean that, that's the system that our our country is based on, was founded on. Government, I believe, functions best when it is closest and most accountable uh, to the people. And, and where the power this is the thing that bothers me more than anything, where power is shared between federal government and states, federalism, that whole concept, the Tenth Amendment. And I think that maybe some would say that here on the show, I focus a lot on, on federal matters and federal issues, and, I, and honestly, that's because the federal government just is continuously encroaching on the states. Some states are perfectly fine with that. Others, I think, and I hope Mississippi is among them, are not. But we just like we talked about earlier, the Biden administration talking about banning gas stoves. I just don't think that that is a matter for the federal government. They shouldn't get involved at that level. It's and when they get involved in in business, in business practices, and business policy and operations, that uh, at the federal level that that should really shake everyone to the core because. Those sorts of actions, that's really socialism. That is consistent with the concept of socialism. Central planning, a central body, concentrated power, dictates to businesses. This whole war on fossil fuels is a great example of that. Reasonable common sense regulations? Sure, I think most clear-thinking people are okay with that. But when those regulations begin to extend far beyond, really, the scope of government as defined in the Constitution, that's when it becomes a problem. We talked uh, yesterday, if you didn't hear us, the, the Biden administration right now is poised to implement 2,651 brand-new regulations that will affect the entire and be implemented and carried out by the entire largest of the agency complex within the federal government, every single agency, the FTC, the DOJ, the DPE, the DOE, the DHS, all the agency complex, such as eliminating non-compete agreements through the FTC, that's just not something the federal government should get involved in. What they really want to do is negotiate your employment ag- agreement for you, determine your salary and tell the companies what they're going to pay you, and just dictate every bit of that from Washington. Stepping aside for a break right here on Middays coming right back at Mississippi
0: Blood Services. Come on! Come on. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Alright, we are-
3: Welcome back everyone, midday, super talk, Mississippi. Gary in the Berg says, "What's next? An income tax test on everything we purchase? Have to carry an income card?" And that is with respect to, I believe, if I'm not mistaken here, Gary, what you sent some news about the Jacksons uh, water manager no more bills on faulty meter readings no i don't think it's related to that so i'm not sure what you're talking about there gary what's next an income test on everything we purchase have to carry an income card well with respect to government overreach in <laughs> and, and government management of the economy that uh, certainly is a a hallmark of of uh, modern-day liberalism and the modern-day Democrat Party? Absolutely, no doubt. That's what they want. Paul Meridian says, I consider myself to be mostly conservative and I think it's ignorant that marijuana isn't legalized, regulated, and taxed. Well, that's a great point, Paul, because there, again, uh, there are folks who would define themselves as conservative that would say that legalization of marijuana is a terrible idea. And there are folks who uh, believe as you do that it's something that uh, we should, right? That we should legalize. By the way, you see the report, Rhino, the very first recreational weed store in New York City? Lines like out the door around the corner <laughs> yesterday, first day in business. Oh, gosh. So uh, it, that's uh, that is just one of the myriad issues, honestly, Paul. Where I think there is uh, dissension, where there's a lack of congruence and alignment on folks that would say, "Well, I'm for that, I'm against that," and both call themselves conservative, and both would say that their position is the conservative position. Hmm. Carroll and Starkville says they want a communist form of government that is what they work on daily to achieve and of course the main distinction between communism the system and socialism the system is that in communism There's little to no private property rights that assets property Etc. In fact is owned by the state by the government Socialism is uh, more of a a system, certainly defines a system, where uh, a central authority, concentrated power, plans aspects of, or perhaps even most of, the economy. They determine the means and volume of production of goods and services and the pricing of those goods and services. And I think this is why we have, again, uh, such a, a separation in this country of uh, views taxes on the ceasefire tax line taxes are nothing more than legalized thievery used to fund a government that we the people didn't ask for and, and that's I'm glad you brought that up so the, the phrase, the, the common the common refrain, we the people I would invite everyone listening or watching to think about this. Whenever you hear someone, especially an elected official, a pundit, mainly an elected official, even a candidate, invoke we the people, they're referring to, when you look at the the country, the nation as a whole, they're referring to half the country. Because half the country believes and supports what they are preaching, what they're advocating for, what they're saying—we the people either did or do not or did not ask for—not the entire country, because just as I hear you, that uh, there are a lot of folks in this country that op- oppose taxes altogether. There are a lot of people that think, as I do, that taxes should be reduced and lower and that the government ought to live within its means and that the government, the federal government should uh, collect the minimum amount of taxes necessary to fund the constitutionally appropriate functions of government. That's what tax policies should be designed to do. Unfortunately, what this government does, is certainly on the left, is their, their tax policies are really designed to be punitive. It, it, they really don't they don't create tax policy to produce revenue to fund the constitutionally appropriate function of government <laughs> they look at tax policy as a way to, to punish success to punish those that produce the most it's no different than uh, what they're looking to do with his 87,000 IRS agents. They made it clear. We're going after Jeff Bezos. We're well, going to drill a dry hole. You're not going to get anything there. That's what they tell you. But in order to produce the the money, the revenue, that uh, the Treasury predicts over that 10-year period of time, those 87,000 agents are going to have to shake down and extract money from a whole lot more than Jeff Bezos, you're not going to find that he's evading taxes anyhow. He's completely in compliance with tax law. So the we the people, while I understand certainly and appreciate, and I'm not trying to to belittle what, what you're saying here, I, I'm just encouraging you, you to keep in mind that the half the country thinks that the government needs to do more, needs to be bigger, needs to collect more money, needs to produce more programs, needs to be more intrusive, not less. The other half of the country thinks just the opposite. That's why we have such a sharply divided government, even in the House of Representatives, which where the, think about it, the last uh, four years, the last uh, two congresses, each is two years, very, very close in numbers. When the Democrats had control the prior two years, a five-seat difference. Now the Republicans have control. A nine-seat difference. Fairly evenly divided. Over in the Senate, went from 50-50 to 51-49. Very evenly divided. Presidential election, fairly close. Where well, there's just no consensus. Absolutely no consensus. I would want Just want people to remember that the government has no money. They only have our tax money. They do not produce goods or provide service to generate revenue. Completely agree, and I think people should bear that in mind, but people vote for those who make those laws, who make the decisions on collecting tax money, how much revenue to raise, how to spend it. The problem I have is that there's just no interest in curbing spending sufficient to balance the budget. The way they want to balance the budget on the left is to raise more revenue. Folks on the right want to see spending cut. And, in fact, one of the rules in the rules package just passed last night in the Republican-controlled House is a concept known as cut-go. You remember we talked we talked about the pay-go provision, which gets waived every single dang time, which basically says if you're going to increase spending, you've got to have offsetting cuts to spending or new revenues to pay for the increase in spending so as not to grow the deficit. And every single time, because they want to spend more and increase spending to produce an even greater deficit, they waive that provision. Well, now we have, based on this new rules package in the house what's known as cut go and all it basically says is you no longer can increase revenue as a way to offset an increase in spending in a particular area you now got to cut spending in another area to offset to keep everything level which i think is a good idea and boy isn't this going to be fun when we approach the discretionary funding discussions which will come up, I hope, before the end of December as they did this past year because the fiscal year ends September 30th. So hopefully sometime in August, July or August, the House where spending bills originate will take up funding the government, the discretionary portion in 2024. And it's going to be fun to watch this play out because they've also attached Lifting the debt ceiling, which is going to need to be done around that time, to keep spending just level, level. Uh, th- that is now attached to funding measures for the next year. So, if if you're going to uh, if you're going to increase, ask for an increase in the debt ceiling, you can't do that separately. It's going to have to be attached to of uh, the actual spending appropriations bills as well the house can pass all at once It can't get to the communist senate on the ceasefire tax line exactly we talked about that this this is really all a matter of just getting these votes on the record and showing where people stand in the house stuff will never see the light of day certainly in the revenue someone also asked about the fair tax i don't know that i'm going to have time to get into that today but we will tomorrow and whether or not that's tenable uh, we'll certainly discuss that tomorrow. Remind me of that right now. We're coming right back with Brittany Mitchell, Donor Resources Specialist at Mississippi Blood Services.
0: You're listening to Middays with Gerard here on Super Talk, Mississippi.
6: Then she stood in the street, uh, smiling head to her feet. I said, what is this now, baby? Maybe she's in need. I'm a kid.
3: Welcome back, everyone. Middays at Mississippi Blood Services today. That's where we have set up the Element Wealth Studios. Brittany Mitchell, donor resources specialist. Our guest once again, Brittany I like that tumbler. How does one get that? Tell us about it, and how do you get it?
5: Well, if you go to one of our three centers, either the Flowood Main Center, Cleveland, or Oxford, you'll receive this, as well as a choice of a gift card, um, now through Saturday.
3: Now through Saturday?
5: Yes, and it's color-changing, so if you put cold water <laughs> in it, those little dots, you see, will definitely change.
3: Hours today that someone could come in and donate blood?
5: Um, all three centers are going to be open from 9 to 5.
3: So besides Flowood, where else are we set up today?
5: Um, we are set up in Cleveland and Oxford as well as mobile drives all across the state, which um, are going to be different incentives, but they're all great.
3: Yeah. Okay. Well, I've seen some people that have uh, beckoned through the doors here, looking to donate blood, heard us on the air, so that's a good thing. The weather is beautiful. It's, uh, it's quick it is painless it's convenient and the folks really take care of you so you need to come on out and give blood and we need all types
5: yes all types we'd love to see you um and one important thing you know january is national blood donor month so all the more reason to come in and donate either if you're a regular or if you want to be a first-time donor we can give you all the information you need. Just feel free to give us a call or visit our website for any inter- information.
3: And I'm going to share these statistics uh, once again because I think it's important. Every two seconds in America, someone needs blood. A single blood donation can save two or more patients in need. That's really, really uh, eye-opening and incredible. And the the need is constant; never goes away. Always mm-hmm. need it.
5: Yep, always. I mean, just think about it every two seconds. Really. Every
3: two seconds, that uh, really is. Wrap
5: your head around that one. <laughs> yep,
3: incredible. And a lot of folks have asked about any sort of restrictions, if uh, they have certain certain health issues, clinical um, history, mm-hmm. and so forth. And, and you have said the best way to learn about that is to go to the web, the website. And, and there are some FAQs and so forth related to that. And also they could call.
5: Oh, absolutely. And get
3: information as well. Right? Either
5: way, whatever you prefer. Um, the Resource Library has tons of information, but if you need a quick answer rather than searching, you can just give us a call at 601 368 2673.
3: The Resource Library, of course, a link on the Mississippi Blood Services website, which is msblood.com. Correct. Pretty easy to find, it's a well designed website that you can navigate uh, with ease and go to that resource library and find answers to all those questions and again the contact information is published there as well so if you're not finding exactly what you're looking for or if you're still a bit confused just give the nice folks a call here at mississippi blood services and they'll they'll help you out and answer those questions for you yeah you come in you do a little quick evaluation health evaluation is that what we call it
5: yes yeah. um and really you can even complete your donor history questionnaire online before your donation it does need to be completed the day of your do- donation but that saves so much time when it comes to answering some of those questions just to make sure you're healthy and well yeah um and it will just scan a quick code and check you in that way so there's options
3: yeah <laughs> really again really simple the folks here are are so nice and so so grateful to see you and that you're here giving uh, the gift of life. And they take care of you uh, when you're done with the uh, your little blood donation. You go to the snack bar and enjoy some refreshments. Just keep a little eye on you because any time uh, you donate blood like that, you you want to do that. But it's again, it's a extremely low risk uh, uh, ordeal and really nothing to it. And you give blood and. And, uh, again, I like the Nutter Butters, by the way.
5: I like the Oreos. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, that's a good though, because at least you wouldn't be taking my Oreos. we <laughs> got
3: a choice.
5: <laughs> right.
3: <laughs> uh, and the facility out here is beautiful. There's plenty of parking. You park right here, walk through the doors. They see you immediately and and uh, get you back there as soon as they can for the little evaluation. Total process, about 30 minutes. Yep. And you're helping folks out when you're doing it.
5: Saving lives. Yeah. feels good, y'all.
3: Yeah, that's really, really <laughs> important. So we, of course, at Super Talk are always uh, happy to be here and be part of this. And, and hopefully uh, our voice on the air is driving people through the doors to donate blood. It looks like it. I've talked to a few that have been through today that said they heard us and said, yeah, we need to come out and help.
5: Well, we thank y'all for being here today. Yeah. And thank you to all the donors that have come out to donate today
3: yeah again uh no excuse for the weather last time we had rainy stormy weather and i understand folks were a little concerned about getting out and about but not today it's a beautiful day across all the
5: more reason i know get
3: out and come on back yep (laughs) so we look forward to seeing you here at mississippi blood services uh, till 5 o'clock today, right? Yes. 5 o'clock today. Come out and do something good for somebody else, giving the gift of life by donating blood. Brittany, thanks for having us, and uh, I'm sure we'll be talking to you soon. Thank Sounds you. Sounds great. Yep. Brittany Mitchell, Donor Resources Specialist with Mississippi Blood Services, wraps it up here on middays. We're back in the Element Well Studios uh, tomorrow. Until then, stay safe and God bless everyone. White and blue.